Greetings, Internet. I'm John Bailey, and on this week's episode of Popcorn Junkie, I'm going to be covering the Brave New World adaptation and Intelligence, which are on the Peacock service, as well as the Tiny Creatures series that's on Netflix, and the latest episode of Muppets Now. Fairly light, and I'll get into why in a bit. So let's get started. Salutations, ladies and gentlemen. It's the Popcorn Junkie here for a little Netflix and chat. Alright. So yeah, part of this week's discussion is going to be a, a tentative review uh, intro to Peacock's service, the latest one from NBC Universal. And so as part of that, I watched the two two of the bigger ones. Uh, the biggest one, obviously, is the big selling point for their original series is the Brave New World adaptation by Grant Morrison, Brian Taylor of Neville Dean and Taylor fame, and David Wiener. Uh, David Wiener is best known for producing the walk, Fear of the Walking Dead, and uh, Grant Morrison is a comic book writer, uh, first and foremost, but he and Brian Taylor, uh, who was the Taylor half of Neville Dean and Taylor, the two, the duo behind Crank, um, he and Grant Morrison uh, team uh, created the sci-fi series Happy, which is the one with... Um, uh, Christopher Maloney seeing a cartoon do uh, donkey uh, played by Patton Oswalt. I still need to watch that one. That one looked like a crazy wild time. But yeah, they're the ones uh, who brought uh, this new version of Brave New World, which I haven't read either. I need to read that at some point. But the um, they modernized it a lot, and so now it's very slick looking. And the big gimmick here is that everybody has a contact lens that's essentially a big HUD that they all see, and it's basically their, it's the iPhone from Futurama, but taken seriously. And um, it's very communistic in terms of, like, relationships. There's no, you know, monogamy has been outlawed, and uh, everybody belongs to everybody else. So it's like forced communistic relations, and there's no such thing as privacy. Uh, there's even like parody commercials uh, strewn throughout it. Uh, so there's still so it's a, still a capitalistic society, but it's got these weird tinges of communism mixed in to the societal makeup. So it's very odd. And um, so one of the big gimmicks is the Savage Lands, which in the book I remember uh, looking up was sort of basically like uh, uh, an indigenous person red, uh, reservation in the, in the West, um, is now a theme park depicting the old ways of the savages. And so that's where Alden Ehrenreich, uh, the star of the series, comes in as John, uh, John in the book, but they've given them the, the moniker John the Savage. And so he is a worker at this theme park, until he gets roped into a, um, uh, like this revolution by other, uh, Americans who think, who are sick of the New Londoners coming in and mocking them, essentially, in this theme park. And so, John gets roped into that, and as such, meets the main character, the other, the New Londoner main characters, um, Bernard Marx and Lenina something, I forget her, her name, Lenina, though, uh, Crown, Lenina Crown, and, um, 
probably the biggest name attached to the series is a, is basically like a featuring role. Um, Demi Moore, it plays Linda, who is John's mom. And in the book, she's um, basically, it's revealed that she fathered John with a new Londoner, which was seen as unprecedented at the time. And so she ended up in the Savage Lands because of it. And she had this whole arc of like wanting to return to New London and be part of society, quote unquote, society again. And that's really cut short. And it's mu a lot of the stuff that happens to Linda is then pushed on to John. As I'll get, I'll, I'll admit it. I think Linda gets fridged uh, over the, for the series in order to help, in order to you know give more focus to John. And I think that's unfair. Um, I wouldn't have written it like that, but anyway. I don't know if this part is in the book, um, but the big drama for the series is Bernard, Lenina, and John are involved in a love triangle. And I think that's the weakest part for me. Uh, I mentioned it um, somewhere. I forget where, but basically I feel like, uh, I think it's in one of the pilots, that love triangles to me are one of the weakest forms of drama. Just because I feel like it's such a cop out. Oh, it was in the Gujira episode for the uh, for uh, the uh, King uh, King of the, the Hails to the King pilot. Yeah, just drama. Uh, love triangle dramas never appeal to me because they always feel like they're just a cheap cop out for how to make drama between characters. And like it makes a bit more sense here in that John is monogamous, whereas Bernard and Lenina have been conditioned uh, to be more polyamorous and more open about sexuality. And so it's it's but then even but even at the beginning of the series, they established that Bernard and Lenina could get into trouble for trying to have a secret, private, monogamous relationship. And it's it's just so weird. Uh, I, I feel like it, they're trying to go for something and they never quite make it. Like, the satire about our modern day life isn't too bad. Um, the bits in the Savage Lands that are sat satirical of things that are still going on, like there's a Black Friday bit. But, um, yeah, just the weird bit of how they try to satirize our modern day life in this is not quite making it. And I wonder if that's partly because um, Morrison has always been more of like a trippy out there writer. And I, and you know, Neville Dean and Taylor have never been, you know, really great at satirizing um, stuff. It's always, they've always been more uh, chaotic. And so it's, I wonder if it's just, these aren't the right writers to, and you know, they're just the creators, but then they've had other writers come in, but it's still, I still feel like they're not the right team to really bring um, good satire and good sort of metaphors in, and allegories into this material. But, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Like, there are bits of interesting stuff, like the fact that the only present day and, you know, contemporary music you will hear in the series is from devices from the Savage Land. Specifically, John has a Walkman that he plays like uh, Leonard Cohen's Perfect Day on it uh, at a, during a bit. 
So, like, none of the... You hear, like, more ethereal, like, uh, string music or, or techno and electronica in New London. But when you come to the Savage Lands, you hear a lot more of our contemporary music. And... Yeah, it's interesting. Like, this is definitely, I think, the best that Peacock has to offer, but I'll get into that caveat. But I still feel like it's not a not an amazing... You know, this isn't the best version of Brave New World you could get. Mainly because I'm tired of the the uh, love triangle garbage. I It does get to a point where Morrison gets more crazy with it. Like, it suddenly becomes more of a Matrix ripoff. As um, they introduce a new character or uh, concept called Indra, who is this AI system that essentially runs Brave New World and then it, the New London and all that, and it's it's in, it like it, has, it wants to go with interesting concepts like you know the whole instigating a class war between the levels, and in, you know that ties back into the beginning where the various uh, Americans don't like the New Londoners coming in and um, essentially mocking them. So it's it has these ongoing themes, but it's like really weird um, about it, and it doesn't really quite ta- you know handle everything perfectly. And um, even by the final episode, like they make so much effort of like pointing out that John destroys everything around him, and he's the disease, and blah blah blah, blah. and yet nobody uh, calls out Bernard, who is a jealous little twat uh, for how awful he is so everyone blames John for all the bad things that are going on and nobody uh, nobody calls out Bernard for being the petty little jealous baby that he is and yeah uh, uh. and then of course there's a tease for season 2 that feels weird and I'm not in for it and so yeah I'm kind of this first season was fine but uh it, I feel like you it, you could have done better adapting this, and so it's not bad, it's just not as good as it could be. You know, once again, I feel like the book is better. Uh, going on to the next series from Peacock I watched, um, it's Intelligence, brought to us by, I forget his name, his first time showrunner. Uh, his name is Nick Muhammad, and I'm not familiar with him at all. Apparently it's a British production that is exclusive to Peacock. Uh, apparently he played Piglet in Christopher Robin. Uh, Bridget Jones's baby he was in. Nutcracker in the Four Realms he was a bit role. He was some guy in The Kid Who Would Be King. Absolutely fabulous, the movie. Uh, Sorry I Got No Head. Reggie Perrin. Uh, Murder in Successville. He appeared on Drunk History as some role. So, I mean, like, he's he's apparently been around, but he's never been, like... Uh, apparently, he wrote on Mr. Swallow's Valentine, which he was also the star of. Um, and that was a TV movie. So, it looks like he's done TV movies over in Britain. I honestly have never caught wind of him. But I'm also behind on my British television, so... Um, I don't think he's bad, but I think the series is just really, really not good. Um, This is honestly the worst thing I watched television-wise in a while. This is 
woefully unfunny. It's Droid wants to be like a biting political satire of the intelligence community with like David Schwimmer being the cocky American who comes into British uh, intelligence and tries to throw everything on its head. But he's very unlikable and... Um, Nick Muhammad's character isn't very likable either. Like we're supposed to be endearing, to, endeared to him because he's like a, like a sweet little like cherub, like naive little guy, and he's just not very funny at all. Like all the other characters are just not very funny either. It's really, really weird, and I, I just don't like. Apparently, there's even like one of the writers on it was worked on Red Dwarf, which threw me off because like, hey, Red Dwarf is actually good, so why is this not? But Nick Muhammad is the main writer on it, and the creator and the showrunner essentially. And I don't know, maybe he's just better an actor than he is a writer. That that happens. Um, yeah, it makes the mistake that thinking stupid is the same as funny and it's just not nobody's really that likable or clever the punchlines aren't very clever it's just yeah and at no point could i tell what was the problem i couldn't tell if it was the writing the direction the acting like i couldn't tell where the problem was to diagnose like why this sucks but it's it just is not very good and it's honestly one of the worst things i've ever watched period so yeah and i don't think anything on uh peacock is any is much you know like this is the low bar for peacock whereas brave new world is the high bar and that says a lot because the low bar is way down whereas the high bar is like slightly above average and a little bit above average <laughs> eh. Anyway, yeah, intelligence is garbage, and I'm sorry. I, if you like it, good for you, but I could not stand this series. And it definitely makes me think if Nick Muhammad's going to be the showrunner on something else, I'm going to kind of steer clear of it if I can. Cutting away from Peacock, we're going to Netflix, because uh, Pushing Up Roses suggested something that I checked out. It is Tiny Creatures. And initially you think, oh, Tiny Creatures, it's a nature documentary, uh, that should be fine, but no, it's more of a pseudo-documentary. It's fictional stories about real animals, it's something that you see in a lot of, like, Disney nature and even the old-school Disney documentaries. It's, uh, and when I first looked it up, there were, the big concern was animal abuse. And apparently no, because it's actually just all a bunch of random animals brought to this English director's property and filmed on his set, and basically on his property, instead of actual, like, in-the-field sort of um, filmmaking. This is not a traditional documentary. This is some guy cobbling garbage together on his property during quarantine. Uh, the whole thing is narrated by Mike Coulter, who, when I first looked it up, he was not even listed on IMDb or Wikipedia. He is still not. He still he at no point is listed as the narrator for the series. In fact, the only actor, um, see full cast. Yeah, there's oh oh my god. Okay, so. So the first time I looked at this, the only actor listed was a woman who played a scientist. And now the only actor listed 
was, is a guy who plays a, quote, armorer. And I don't know what that even means because I don't remember an armorer in this series. God, this this series is such, such a hot mess. Like, anyway, the conceit is that we are following the lies of tiny little animals and seeing the world through their eyes. And it's like, it's an interesting concept. But unfortunately, it's riddled with terrible green screening and very stupid, stupid writing. And, like, the first episode takes place in Arizona, and it's a ripoff of a Western. You know, we can't just have, we can't just document the lives of these animals as it stands. No, we have to make up a story about revenge and survival. And it's like, oh, no, but we can't even bother to give the animals names. So it's like, if you're going to just make stuff up, why not actually go the extra mile and give them names if you're just going to make stuff up? Uh, the other trope of this series is that twice you see domesticated animals, pets, escape and live in the wild. Call the wild style. I've actually live tweeted uh, most of the series on my Twitter, at uh, CornJunkiePod. In fact, the last bunch of tweets you'll have seen from me, uh, a whole, probably the last 50 or so, are from this madness that I had to endure. And it's, it's, it's such a weird, weird series. It rips off popular movies each episode. Like, the, like the, the, the third episode is basically a ripoff of Caddyshack, but with a burrowing owl instead of a gopher. Uh... I meant like the whole bunch of times they steal the the gimmick from Call of the Wild, which doesn't make sense because one's a hamster who would definitely not survive well in the in Central Park. Like the whole gimmick is like, oh, the hamster escaped and now he can't go back to the life he knew before, and it's like, no, the hamster would probably die. In, a, in the wild, because he is a creature of domestication. He can't live in the wild. And uh, the other one is a flying squirrel that's being kept by the scientist who has a bunch of exotic animals. But the flying squirrel is native to Louisiana, where she lives, outside of New Orleans. So she basically just kept some random-ass flying squirrel from her neighborhood as a pet, and I don't understand the the reasoning behind this because they don't explain that bit. They just explain. Uh, they just explain that they just wanted to make this Romeo and Juliet style love story of like, oh no, there's the animal in captivity, and uh, she'll have to escape and live in the wild with her with her new uh, boyfriend. And it's like, oh God, what? None of this makes any sense. This is such garbage writing. And then um, what gets me is that you were taking place in so many various... Oh my god, I'm just looking at the poster now. Uh, if you look at the poster on IMDb, it is the worst Photoshop job I have ever seen. This is a professional produced series for Netflix. And it looks like, and it looks worse than the kind of crap I've cobbled together as an amateur. God, it's such garbage. Uh, at any rate, uh, 
Yeah, Tiny Creatures uh, it takes place in disparate places like Arizona, Florida, Louisiana, Texas, New Hampshire, Washington State. And you think, you'd think you'd be covering things like in Texas, you know, like in Arizona, we're introduced to a kangaroo rat. Natural, wild animal in that setting. What do you think, you know, in Texas, you might think, oh, we might be covering a tarantula or a scorpion or some other tiny critter that lives in the deserts of Texas. We are covering a house mouse living on a farm. And in Florida, we do go to the Everglades, but instead of covering, say, um, you know, like something native to Florida, something more localized to the Everglades, we're covering a rat and a raven who become best friends. Because the writing in this series is garbage. And it's... It, while the first two episodes are the most bonkers, after that, it's just boring. It's just really, really boring. And... It, like, I stayed up until, like, 2 in the morning live-tweeting this, and it wasn't worth it. It was not worth it. Um... Yeah, so they don't use any CG, but it's terrible green screening because the director admits, Oh, don't worry, the animals weren't in the same place at the same time. Great. Fantastic. And then, um... Speaking of which, that'll probably explain why he never lets any of the predators actually catch their prey. Like, at no Like, they use predators for drama as like, Oh no, he's finally gonna catch- What? This thing's gonna catch him! Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! Don't worry, it got away. Like they do do, they try to do a fake out in the Louisiana episode about a, the the boy flying squirrel escaping an owl, and it's like, oh no, he did die, and then the next morning, oh don't worry, he's fine. Jeez, this stupid, stupid series. So yeah, the animals can't actually die because they're all property of the handlers that are coming to this asshole's house in New in uh England. Ugh. Um. And that, that being said, while there's no direct harm being done to the animals, there are there is shots of, like, a fox and a hawk being hit with water. Like, there's a direct shot of a slow-mo featuring a red fox being shot with a sprinkler. And they spray some water on a hawk to mimic skunk spray. So... And then, of course, there's several episodes. There was multiple episodes where things catch on fire in this series. You know, na naturally, of course. God, this this is called they called the fact that this is calls itself a documentary is infuriating. And I made I actually tweeted out. I wonder if David Attenborough watched this and laughs or cries. Because this is, he worked so hard to make some of the best nature documentaries. And then this asshole comes in with this bulk, <laughs> this garbage, fake, you know, overly written nonsense. And he has to be there like, but I worked so hard to make like real documentaries. And this is what Netflix produces. Uh, so yeah, there's no, tr there's no direct animal abuse, but I would not trust this guy with animals ever. Just don't let animals near him because he cannot be trusted with them. Uh, so yeah, uh, I, and then yet I, the one positive thing I will say is that there are actual facts strewn in between the stupid story beats, like the fact that during the uh, Minnesota episode where the burrowing owl lives on a golf course because they want to rip off Caddyshack, 
Uh, they do mention that burrowing owls collect garbage and rotting food to, to attract flies to eat, which is something that actual burrowing owls do in the wild. And I actually mentioned in the Florida episode a, a trick to keep flies away, which is if you put water in a clear plastic bag and then put coins at the bottom of it and you put it in sunlight, that will keep animal that will keep flies away. And I've never heard of that before, and it's apparently a real thing you can do. So yeah, while there is there are some actual facts about the animals strewn in um throughout the BS, but you're still watching these really terribly written hackneyed stories with, t- with that feel like they're too stupid even for kids. This is genuinely one of the... Once again, it's not as bad as Intelligence. Intelligence just pissed me off. This is more like... Like, the real reason I watched it was Rose's was like, I... I... I, I like, she was... Her, her brain was full of uh, F... To quote the, uh, to to quote the meme, and she was like trying to comprehend it, and I decided, okay, that seems like fun. I'll watch it. Now my brain is full of F, and I needed to share it with uh, with other people, and only one of my listeners actually paid attention, which we'll get into in the discussion. But uh, yeah, so Dirt Tiny Creatures isn't even fun bad. It's just weird bad, and it's stupid bad. So just watch a David Attenborough documentary, man. Go get Curiosity Stream. Netflix should not be trusted with documentaries anymore. They cannot be. Like, after, even though they've done stuff like The Square and 13th and these really solid, hard-hitting documentaries, they they should not be trusted with documentaries for a bit because this they decided that this was okay. And it's not. No, it is not. Uh, we're going to end things off with the latest episode of Muppets Now. Uh, I won't give away too much, but uh, Statler and Waldorf come in, finally, and they're uh, part of a focus group <laughs> to giving reviews of the sketches, and I dig it. I, I'm glad that they're back. Um, the, the We have the Swedish Chef bit. Um, we have Al Madrigal showing up during the Beaker and Bunsen Honeydew segment that I swear we need a full spin-off Mythbusters show, but with Bunsen, Honeydew, and Beaker. Like, bring in Adam Savage and Carrie Byron and maybe Tori Belacci. Uh, bring the whole crew, bring that old crew back, and but put them with Beaker and, and Honeydew, and then have them do the bits. And then Beaker can basically be like um, the, the test dummy. <laughs> Uh, oh god, I feel like that would be amazing. Um, and so yeah, the, the the main sketches they seem to be focusing on each episode are um, the Pepe's uh, game show is another one, as well as Pig, Miss Piggy's vlog show uh, style show. So those seem to be so the Swedish Chef, um, Miss Piggy, and uh, well, Swedish Chef and Miss Piggy have been in every episode. And uh, Pepe and uh, Be- and Honey and Buns and Honeydew and Beaker have been kind of the recurring ones, but yeah, they seem to- every episode seems to have the Swedish Chef cooking show and Miss Piggy's style series, which makes sense because Miss Piggy would demand to be in every episode in character. Um, but yeah, I-, I really dig this concept. So yeah, uh, if you aren't watching it, um, if you have Disney Plus, I wouldn't say this is worth getting Disney Plus. But if you already have Disney Plus, keep checking this out. New episodes are out every Friday, and um, 
Yeah, so we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, I'm going to talk about uh, Peacock and why it's not worth it. And um, we're going to have a we're going to have a, a serious uh, sit down talk. Uh, Papa Papa Popcorn Junkie needs to have a talk with his listeners about something. So we'll we'll do that after the break. Into every generation, a slayer is born. One girl in all the world, a chosen one, and alongside her are the Watchers. We are the Watchers. Once more with feeling is a 20th anniversary Buffy fancast where we gather and watch episodes of Buffy, discuss them, and release it every Tuesday. Grr. Arg. I have been putting this on the back burner for far too long, and now that I've covered the two two of the bit two two samples of this service, I can finally get rid of it and dump it because I'm going to tell you, Peacock is not worth it. Uh, NBC Universal decided to throw their hat in the ring of the streaming services, and you'd think with the entire Universal library at their at their um, you know at their service at their and you know uh, you know at the ready that they would be that that would be sort of the gimmick it'd be like it would be like hbl max has a whole good chunk of the warner archive disney has its entire catalog and so nbc universal would use the universal catalog that's not what the gimmick is because what it is is it's following the hulu model where there's a free there's a free baseline that where you don't pay anything and you have to sit through ads, but you don't get any of the Peacock originals. You just get their old collection of TV shows and some movies. So most of it is TV. Most of Peacock is TV shows. Like, I looked through the movies, and they have garbage selection for most of the movies. Like, they have the old Universal Monsters. They had Shrek for, like, the first month. And then... I looked. I tried to look recently. I tried to look in the lead up to this episode, and Shrek is gone. I couldn't even find Shrek in the catalog, which I'll get into. But yeah, there's the free model where you don't pay, uh, and you have to sit through ads, and you don't get the premiums. There's the base premium model, which is five bucks a month, and it's still ad supported, just like Hulu. And then you get access to the originals, but the originals have ad breaks. So in order to have no ads, you have to pay $10 a month to get all-access premium. So that's the only way to get no ads in in uh, on Peacock. Oh, by the way, Peacock is not available on Roku, Amazon, or Samsung devices. I had to watch this on my Xbox in my in my bedroom because I couldn't watch it on the nice new home theater setup we have because it's a Samsung device. And we don't have, and uh, NBC Universal didn't even think to get Sam, like at least, at least HBO Max had had Samsung lined up. Like I still, I think HBO Go is gone from Roku. I still don't think they have HBO Max yet, nor does Amazon. So not only is Peacock not on Roku, the whole reason I switched over to my Xbox was because HBO Max isn't on Roku and neither would Peacock have been. So it's 
it's infuriating that these companies can't just have the deal set up and then launch. They can't just have it ready to go and then, like, Disney. Disney had everything in place and boom, they're out. They're out on every device. They, these other companies just can't wait. They have to do it right now. And, it, and so if you are not on the very specific devices that have these, like if you're lucky enough to have the Apple TV, you're fine. But if you have the Samsung TV like we do, like the Samsung Smart TV, we don't get Peacock on there. We don't get a whole bunch of stuff that's on there. And it, it, I'm baffled that they can't just be like, that, that they're always, you know, that they can't just have these deals lined up and then go. I don't know. That's probably not how the business world works. It's all a bunch of dick measuring and nonsense. So, yeah, um, back to Peacock. Uh, the main gimmick with Peacock is, like with Hulu, you get to watch live TV. And then you have the catalog. So you get to watch NBC channels live. Like you have cable. And um, uh, who wants live TV anymore? And at a time when you can just pick and choose what you want to watch, and with HBO stuff, it's on the next day on their streaming services. It, it really the like news channel news stuff you can watch after the fact. You don't have to watch it live. Aside from sports, what is the point of live TV anymore? Like, why would you wait to sit and watch a program? That you can watch anytime you want. Why are Hulu like? I'm assuming this is Peacock trying Peacock mimicking Hulu in order to hold on to the to the older crowd that are used to live TV. But having live TV isn't isn't a, isn't like a good pro for me. Like I don't care about live TV. I would much rather have the have the wider catalog than have live TV. Like, in fact, I think Disney Plus would be better off if, like with HBO Max, once a new show premiered on their Disney Channel or Disney XD or wherever, that it then appeared on Disney Plus, like, the next week or something. So you could keep up to date on the new shows without live TV. Like, why are we still supporting the the, the dinosaur that is live TV in the age of the internet? What is the point other than to keep this old fossil and this old clunker running? Uh, yeah, so yeah, it's um, it's a whole bunch of... Like, the big telling points of this are the TV series, like Parks and Rec, uh, Cheers, a whole bunch... I think Friends is on there. No, no, Friends is on HBO Max. But yeah, a whole bunch of all oh, classic NBC stuff is on there. And then there's a whole bunch of garbage. Like, The Asylum catalog takes up a good chunk of the movies and the tv stuff like i tried to watch I, I looked through what the tv stuff they had and in the kids section they had a whole bunch of saturday morning cartoons from fox because nobody else wanted them they have like a fievel's american tales the spin-off from fievel goes west tv series that lasted a season they have the mummy TV animated series that spun off from The Mummy Returns. 
They really just, they just have like bottom of the barrel. Nobody else wants this garbage. Like their big selling point is, oh, check out some of our originals. And we've also got Parks and Rec. Like there's NBC Universal, but they don't have SNL. Like I didn't see SNL on there at all. Like if I pull up, let me pull up their catalog right now. I want to see what exactly they have. Because I did not see SNL on the Xbox app. So let's sign in. So it looks like 30 Rock... So it looks like they have 30 Rock and Parks and Rec. E.T.'s in there. Because it's universal. I did not see a lot of Spielberg stuff on here. I think they had Jurassic Park for a month. And then that went over to Netflix. Because more people are on Netflix. So let's pull up Peacock. Come on. There we go. There we go. Okay. We've got Third Rock from the Sun is the big thing now. Psych, Downton Abbey, Law and Order SVU. Everybody hates Chris. Evan featured films. Evan Almighty, Little Fockers, Men in Black 3, Boo 2, Medea Halloween. New in Town, Law-Abiding Citizen, Leap Year, and Ali G in the House. Granted, they do also have Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas and Reservoir Dogs. But it, once again, like okay, there's Saturday Night Live, I figured. But it's only 13 seasons. You'd think Saturday, that NBC Universal would have access to the rest of the catalog, but who knows anymore. Um... Below Deck. The hell? Uh, do the right... Th they also have a... Um, uh, a black sec... A black voices section, because of course. Um, which... Uh, mostly documentaries. Punky Brewster... A Little Late with Lily Singh? Okay. Superstore, Carol Burnett Show. A bunch of the stuff I'm pretty sure is also on Hulu. Murder, She Wrote, WWE. So, I mean, there's something here for you, I'm sure. But I'm pretty sure most of... Get Out of My Room, one season. Cool. Like, I'm pretty sure... Let me see something. I want to see how much of this stuff is also on Hulu. Like, let's take a look at 30 Rock. See see if that... See if the seasons are on there as well as on Peacock. Or if NBC just pulled them from Hulu. Oh, that's right. Hulu's been having troubles. They've been hit by DDoS. Oh, good. Hulu's... Is Hulu down again? Ooh, okay, Cupid's down. Fantastic. Uh, Hulu is up. So it's just me. Fantastic. Is it another one of those things where they're blocking me because I'm using a VPN? I swear to God, if I turn off my VPN and I'm able to connect to Hulu, no problem. I'm going to be pissed. Because that's a, 
one of the whole points of having a VPN is... Okay, let's try this. Oh my god, it is my VPN. God damn it. Okay, so yeah, here's Law & Order SVU. How many seasons? You can start at season one, go all the way to season 21. On Peacock... Where is it? Where's... Come on, where's freaking SVU? It's everywhere on this. There we go. You have all 21 seasons. So you can either watch them on Hulu or watch them on Peacock. It's not even like there's an exclusive. Da, 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 da. Okay, Saturday Night Live. How many seasons? You can go back from season 45 uh, to season 30 and then seasons 1 through 5. So there's 20 seasons. Hold on a sec. Peacock said it only had 15 seasons of, of SNL. 13 seasons. Season 23, 24, 25, 29, 30, 31. There isn't, in the, there isn't even a complete list. There isn't even a complete... Like, Hulu doesn't have it, but neither does Peacock. The comp the owners of SNL can't even put all all forty five seasons on there. Like that would be a selling point. Hey, we have all forty five seasons of SNL. No, they have like thirteen random seasons of SNL. God, wow, 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 wow. So it really is a poor imitation of Hulu. Like, Hulu has way... Like, at least Hulu has the FX shows. Okay, here we go. Here's another one. Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. That's been on... Um, that one's over on... So, yeah. You can get the whole season on Hulu or Peacock. It doesn't matter. Like, if you are probably already had a Hulu account. So, why get a Peacock account if you... If... If the same stuff is just gonna be... Like, Hulu has more... Okay, here's another one. NBC Superstore. I think that has like two or three seasons. Oh, oh, God, five seasons. I didn't realize it's been going on for so long. All right, uh, let's pull it up. It was under Fantastic Females. All five seasons are on Peacock. So you can either watch it on Peacock or on Hulu. Like, I feel like you're just better off using Hulu. It really is the poor person. Peacock is the poor Poor person's Hulu. It is the... Like, what is there to Peacock if you can just get most a bunch of their stuff over on Hulu? All right, let's take a look at the movies. Yeah, E.T., Beetlejuice, Identity Thief, Ted, The Born Identity, Boo 2, and Medea Halloween. Snake... Ooh, you can watch Snakes on a Plane. So, yeah, we do have some classics. All Quiet on the Western Front, Frankenstein... Double Indemnity, Lost in Translation, The Sting, The Graduate, Deer Hunter. So there are some classic movies on here. And then the rest of it is all, there's just a whole bunch of garbage mixed in. Like, oh, you can watch, oh, there's a Bill Murray collection. Oh, good. Something called the, a, a documentary called The Bill Murray Experience. 
is included. Not one of his other movies, just a documentary about Bill Murray. Uh, Topsy-turvy, the Gilbert and Sullivan biopic. Oh, boy. Um, Yeah, it's... This does not, just does not seem... Like it, like it tries to pull, you know, tries to showcase some of the good stuff. Like the hitch, it has a whole bunch of Hitchcock stuff. It has the Mister Rogers documentary. It has the old Universal Monster movies, but once again, like you try to watch as much as much as there are some good stuff. I'm pretty sure you can find this plenty of other places. Like let's take a look at uh, Psycho. Let's pull up JustWatch.com. Oh, I already have it open. Good. Uh, Just Watch is my go-to streaming service. Um, hold on. Connect your TV. Am I in the United States? Yeah, good. Because they can also check the streaming services on every platform. So, let's take a look at Psycho. Where is Psycho streaming? So far, it's just Peacock and DirecTV. So yeah, that's that's that seems to be its big. Although Stars has Psycho two and Psycho three, as well as the Psycho remake and Psycho four, the beginning. Um, it has American Psycho as well. So okay, there are they do there do seem to be some exclusives. So I'll give it that. I'll I'll admit that there are they do man, they did manage to hold on to some exclusives, but I will say this much: it's hard to find them on the Xbox app because the Xbox app is not very intuitive. It's terrible layout and it's hard to find stuff. You're better off using the browser. Which if it's why would you use it on a browser? Why wouldn't why wouldn't you want it to be you know best suited for? TV-enabled devices, because you're going to watch TV on your TV, not on your computer. And then, of course, the big thing is that they, the big gimmick here is that they also have the Rotten Tomatoes score for TV, for movies. But guess what? It's only for the movies that are good. Like, we have the Rotten Tomatoes score for, where is it? Shit, where was it? I just had it. Do the right thing. 93% on Rotten Tomatoes. Then we got over to Evan Almighty. Oh, wow. Evan Almighty and Little Fockers don't have the Rotten Tomatoes score. But Born Identity and Men in Black 3 do because they're fresh. Let me guess. Boo Medea Halloween? Oh, wow. Look at that. No Rotten Tomatoes score. Tully has one. Law-abiding citizen and leap year don't. Huh. Huh with that. So, yeah. The gimmick only the gimmick is only there so that you can showcase the movies that don't suck. And that's the thing, Rotten Tomatoes has TV as well, so why don't they have it for the TV? Why is it just the movies? Yeah. Peacock is a hot mess, and honestly, I don't think it's worth paying for. Like like it really, if you wanted to just watch Psycho, why would you pay Peacock money and or when you could just when you have to pay them 10 bucks a month to sit through it ad free why why not just watch it ad free as is 
Like, what are the, like, the premium, like, the premium, the only other premium I didn't get a chance to watch was Psych 2, the movie. So, maybe that's good. They have a Curious George thing. Uh, there's a Where's Waldo uh, series. It's a Peacock original. But, yeah, the, most of the Peacock original stuff doesn't seem to be worth paying the nine, the 10 bucks a month just to get no ads. Like, if you're going to make me sit... Like, why are you going to make me pay just to th- sit through ads? You cheap you cheapskates. You know, it's like those games on mobile devices that pay make you pay $2.99 to get the game itself, and then you have to sit through ads. Uh, so, yeah, Peacock is garbage. Peacock is just not worth it. Like, maybe if there's some old TV you want to check out, but, how, like, a good chunk of their library of TV is over on Hulu. Just... Just get Hulu, and if there's something that's only available for free on Peacock, don't pay for it. Just sit through ads. Like, you can just pull out your phone during the ads and and not worry about it. Just It's not worth paying premium for Peacock. It's just not. In fact, speaking of which, how do I cancel my... I did it through iTunes, so... I have to, I'm going to do that on microphone right now. I'm pulling up my iTunes account and I'm canceling my okay good that one's already expired dropout I made sure to cancel dropout as well uh, okay now we're oh good I it was about to renew so cancel subscription so yeah thankfully I was it was almost about to renew itself so I managed to only pay for one month of uh, Peacock Premium good thing I got this out in time alright so yeah Peacock Premium is not worth it it's just not so yeah alright I feel like we've had to have this talk at least like once a year but um I think it's time to have the talk again kids because I've been looking at my numbers. In fact, let me take a look at the main Gumby Cat numbers while I'm here. I am currently at 48 subscribers. I've been way down since even the beginning of the month through uh through um Gumby Cat and uh, looking at Pinecast my my host the most listens to I've had in the past let me let me look at uh 6 months okay 6 months the most listens to I had were 127 for the um for back in March. And since then, it's been... The biggest peak I've had was 29. So, and that was because I posted a bunch of pilots. My episodes are barely getting a dozen or more so... listens, even over the past couple of months. So... 
and I, and not not to not not to put the onus on you listeners, but I I do want to say that having audience feedback really helps out because it lets me know that I am not just screaming into the void, that I am that I am being listened to, and that there's there's a connection being made. I mean, as much as I I think I decried. Um, the parasocial relationship on on um on my failed let's play channel having that sort of feedback is what kind of motivates people like me content creators to do things and it's been 4 years and there just hasn't been an audience for the show you know not one that's sustainable I've said before uh, when I went. I think I went on when I went on the previous hiatus that this is the show's a bit of a money pit. That nobody's really listening to a weekly movie review podcast. At least not mine. Like I think the biggest one is probably now playing. I think unless it's some other, like, and that's just strict podcast. I think the other. Podcasts have some other like Double Toasted does reviews as podcasts, but their main source is streaming because Corey streams his reviews on Twitch and you know through his web through the Double Toasted website. I just think that this this series is not tenable anymore. All of the effort I put into it is not seeing a return. On investment, and I'm sorry if you've been listening for a long time, and you don't want me to stop. I'm not gonna like full out stop. I did have an idea last night, and the idea was to recoup and try what I started, how I started this way back in 2012. Like, for those who have been longtime listeners, my arc was 2012, I tried to be a Channel Awesome-style video review critic. That didn't... I couldn't get that to work because of my um, inexperience, so I moved to text. Then I took a couple years off, came back, tried to do video again, and that didn't work because I didn't know the system by that point. Because by that point... Uh, YouTube had been cracking down on movie clips being used in um, their videos. So I didn't learn the system in 2015 when I tried to come back. And so I moved to podcasting because I figured that's one of the things I did was an audio show anyway. And so I just converted this into a full podcast. And now... I think it's time to... And now I just think it's because of so much money that's been sunk in for server co- hosting costs to both Libsyn and now Pinecast, for movie costs, for all the subscriptions I follow, for the ticket prices. Like, that's the other thing. This coming week, theaters are going to open with new releases. So if I keep this going, that means I would have to be... That means I wanted, I would be covering new releases during the pandemic 
with an audience that can't that with no means of supporting. There's no means of support. There's no Patreon. There's not enough listeners to get an ad could get ad revenue coming in. I'm not getting uh you know submissions for um uh, you know like um like uh, uh commissions for ads. Like there's no but there's no companies coming to Popcorn Junkie to get to sell their product. There's this show is just not viable. And it's been a long time coming. And I think it's time to put this show on indefinite hiatus again. Like, last time it was retooled to become uh, Popcorn Junkie Refilled. If I try this again, I think I'm going to try doing the video reviews. I think making video reviews instead of podcasts may be better for this concept. Because I think people would much rather watch video reviews of movies than listen to podcast reviews of movies. Because then you can get visuals with with the review. And I think that may be the better option. So I'm probably going to try that sometime soon. But once again, I don't think I'm going to be trying to cover new releases for a while. I want to try. I want to try covering new releases, but I think I need to take some time off just to just to refigure out how best to do this series. And I think in lieu of that, there isn't going to be the main sign-off. I mean, be sure to check out all of our other programming on Gumby Cat. I will still be doing the Dungeons and Dragon types, which um I'm hoping to launch a Patreon for that because comparatively looking at Gumby Cat uh, looking at um Dungeons and Dragon types like that says a subscriber space subscribers in the 500s and we and that one is actually getting an audience people are tuning into that cuz there's nothing else quite like it whereas I don't think I'm unique enough by myself as a podcaster to do a movie review show every week. So I'm going to take some time off. There's gonna, I will post on Gumby Cats as a text thing announcing when I am restarting, what my plan is to restart. But for right now... Popcorn Junkie is on hiatus. Popcorn the po- the Popcorn Junkie podcast is on indefinite hiatus. And if I do manage to get together po- the Popcorn Junkie YouTube channel, I will be the first to let y'all know. And the and the the um the social media is still going to be up. I'm not going to cancel any of that. But I do think it's time to cultivate Dungeons and Dragon types into what I wanted this show to be. And launch the Patreon for that, get more involved in that, put more focus on that, and as well as uh, living in the stacks. And then if Popcorn Junkie, and then try Popcorn Junkie as a YouTube channel. I think maybe that might be better. I, I begin, I'm beginning to learn the landscape again. I know the, I know the trick, I'm beginning to realize the tricks of the video reviewer trade more and more. So. I think what I'm going to do is hold off on new reviews for a while and come back with 
come work on some ideas for series for the channel because I the idea is I would lo- I would want to do the weekly um the weekly uh video video reviews of the new releases and then I would love to do um series where I break down individual movies outside of new releases like I probably won't do bad adaptation I'll leave the adaptation stuff to Dom he's way better at it um I may do the sequel the sequelitis thing I don't know if I sh- I will use that term because that's more connota- that's more has a bigger connotation with Ego Raptor Aaron Hansen uh but I do want to do a um a sort of uh you know coverage of sequ- bad sequels and how studio bad you know and bad prequels bad midquels things like that um uh what was the other one I wanted to do uh oh god what was the other series it was bad adaptation it was sequelitis and it was epic fail which was box office bombs I may not do that. I may just stick to just reviewing stuff I like. I mean, I did want to do a series called Why I Like X Movie. And I think I may do that just to have a continuously positive review series. But I think I'm going to start just with um, regular reviews. But yeah, so for the time being, the Popcorn Junkie podcast is on hiatus. You can follow me on social media, Twitter at Facebook at Popcorn Junkie, Twitter at Corn Junkie Pod. I will still post on Letterboxd what movies I'm watching. You know, the Instagram was already uh, not being used, and so was the Stardust. I think it's time to take a break, and uh, we'll try we'll try video again. And if video doesn't work, it may be time to let Popcorn Junkie go. It's been a long time. It's been almost 10 years of trying to make this concept work. And if we can't make it work, then then it is what it is. I don't think I'm going to do a big outro either. I think I'm going to do just a nice, quiet, like, thank you for listening. And uh, as always, today and tomorrow, now and forever, Black Lives Matter and trans rights are human rights. And then, of course, um... Nathio, a uh, long time ago, who made me the artwork for this. Nathio.deviantart.com and the M uh, for having putting uh, pop, the funky popcorn music in um, Creative Commons. Like he allowed the use of that, the, he or she, they allowed the use of funky popcorn uh, for use as long as you, as long as you, um, you uh, cited them as the writer. As a song, as a song creator, and uh, it's been my theme for since 2016. So uh, I will still be using that theme uh, if we do launch a YouTube channel. But uh, I think Popcorn Junkie needs a break because until I can get something more viable, actually, you know what? Maybe I'll try the retrospective series as a uh, YouTube ser- YouTube videos. And then we'll do why like, and then we'll try to do the new release stuff if we can gain an audience. So Popcorn Junkie's going on a break, folks. And uh, 
need to re, re I need to go home and rethink my life. <laughs>